First of all, let me tell you that Andy Olivo and the rest of the pilgrims to the Holy Land are back, uh, but Andy is uh, uh, feeling a little tiny bit under the weather, so um, today was a great day to sleep in. Um, and he owes me one, but it's okay. <laughs> As I read uh, today's scripture, two words stood out to me. One uh, word is uh, power, and the other word is today. So I want to try to put, uh, I want to try to make a connection between the two of them and why, uh, uh, share with you why they stood out for me. But first we need to put this particular gospel in context. It is uh, in the four, it comes from the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel. The first chapter of the gospel is all about uh, the relationship between uh, Mary, mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist. Uh, it's out of that uh, chapter that we get the Magnificat, the Song of Mary. Uh, the second chapter, you all know by heart, practically, it's the uh, story of the Nativity. Um, uh, uh, it's, the, it's the inn in which there was no room, it's the manger, it's the shepherds and the angels. And, and we, we, we reenact that every uh, Christmas Eve, uh, just so you won't, uh, won't forget. On the, the third chapter is the, uh, introduces John the Baptist and uh, Jesus is baptized in the river by John and a voice, is, a voice comes from heaven that says, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. There's also a little genealogy in the third chapter that uh, uh, connects, genealogically connects Jesus with David and Adam. Uh, then the fourth chapter begins with uh, Jesus in the wilderness confronting and besting his adversary, Satan. So all of that is about who Jesus is. He is the, the expected one. He is the son of God. He is the son of David. He is the son of, of Adam. He is uh, the, the one who can confront and best Satan. This is who Jesus is. And now we come to this part of the fourth chapter where he actually has to go to work. This is where the job of being Messiah really begins. And so we read today that he uh, went to the synagogue in Nazareth, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And there he, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah what might be called his inaugural address, I suppose, his first, uh, the first public utterances that we know about in any event, uh, uh, taken from the 61st chapter of the book of Isaiah. Now, power in this case, when I, when I think of power, when I imagine what power means, I think of what happens up and down Pennsylvania Avenue over here, or Wall Street, uh, or the New England Patriots, God forbid. <laughs> that's power, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's achievement, that's excellence, that's, uh, that's, that's uh, where, where people go to, to make a life, to make a, to make a name for themselves, to rise above the rest. But, that's not power in Jesus' world. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, he said, to bring good news to the poor, 
release to captives, sight to the blind, freedom from oppression. When you think of power, you don't think of words like that, like oppression, blindness, poverty, captivity. Those are anything but powerful. And I guess that's the point, isn't it? If we understand, try to understand power in sort of geopolitical terms or financial terms, it's all about how to get ahead. But in the case of the Holy Spirit, power is all about how to, get, how to help others get ahead. Power is power only when it relieves the poverty or the blindness or the imprisonment of others, however they may be blind or imprisoned or impoverished. Power is power for the Holy Spirit only when it's used to improve the betterment, for, only when it's used for the betterment of others. Attention is always drawn in the Bible to those who we overlook, to the people who would otherwise escape our attention, the people who, who we find it easy to ignore. And maybe that's what makes God's power a little uncomfortable sometimes. I, know, I don't know about you, I feel uncomfortable when someone holds a sign up at my car window when I'm stopped at a light and says, homeless veteran or some such thing. It makes me a little uncomfortable. But that's what power is about for Jesus. So filled with power, Jesus went home to the, to the synagogue and sat down, which is a figure of speech. When one sits in the Bible, one is ready to teach. The congregation there expected, I'm sure, a wonderful sermon on, uh, first, on third Isaiah, the, the passage that he read, you know, third Isaiah written in probably somewhere in the late sixth or early fifth century BCE, he had a, an important place in the history of Israel, a great thing to talk about, or perhaps they were expecting to hear about the, the, the hopeful vision that that passage uh, embodies, the time when the lion will lay down with the lamb and there'll be war no more and everything will be wonderful down the road someplace. But you see, the past and the future were not part of his sermon, were they? It was about today. Today is when this scripture is fulfilled. Sometimes I think our churches and institutions everywhere, perhaps, spend a little bit too much time thinking about the past. The past is important. The, the, our history, uh, the architecture of this place, the architecture all around us, uh, ancient texts, all of these things are important to us. But it's not where faith lives. It's not the locus of our faith. The same thing is true for when we think about the future. It's, we, we, we do do long-range planning. We do it in the church. We do every institution worth its salt does long-range planning. Thinking about the future, where are we headed? What's it gonna be like? How can we cope? And it's important, it's not unimportant at all, it's important. 
but it's not where faith is located. Faith is located in the present. And that's tricky for us. That's difficult for us because it's not about what did our ancestors, what did our forebears do for us? Nor is it about what we can hope for in our children and grandchildren and their grandchildren. It's about us. Today is about us. So filled with power, Jesus said to the people, the spirit of God is upon me and if it's upon me, it's upon all of us to proclaim good news to the poor and release for the captive, sight for the blind, and overturn oppression wherever we may find it. You see, I guess that's the point. Because when Jesus said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your sight, he wasn't just talking about himself, he was talking about the whole community. And if he was talking about the whole community, he was talking about us too. We're called to be, in, we're called by the power of the Spirit to be God's presence in the world. And if we can truly see that, we are then released from whatever it is that's holding us back, from whatever it is that keeps me from rolling down my window when someone looks for a handout, for whatever it is that makes me feel unable, it's just too big a problem, too much to do, too hard, I'm not up to it. It's the spirit, the power of the spirit that makes it possible for us to act today. We have a voice, we can speak, we can proclaim, we can try to right wrongs we know injustice when we see it. We may disagree about some of the details, but we know when there's injustice in the world where people are being hurt who don't deserve to be hurt. We can bring good news to the poor, the spiritually poor and the really poor. We can bring sight to those who are blinded Blinded by what? Blinded by ambition? Blinded by some set of circumstances? Blind by allegiances that really don't matter very much? And we can release the captive, and sometimes we are the captive. Sometimes we're prisoners of our own guilt, our own lack of courage, our own lack of faith, sometimes. But we need to always remember Jesus, Jesus wasn't proclaiming his power when he spoke that day. He was talking to us as well. Today is our day. This is about us. This is about the power of the Spirit in our lives today. You may not know this, but there's a man who makes his home on our front porch at night. 
He builds a little house out there and spends the night. Sometimes the police chase him away, but usually he comes back. Probably, although I'm not here, probably in the same night, but he does come back. I don't, if we invited him in, I don't think he'd come, actually. I think he's just too afraid to be with people, anybody. But I do know he's hungry, and I do know he's cold. And I know that he's not all that well. And I know that he's not alone. And you know that too. These streets are filled with people at night, hungry and cold. This church does a lot for homeless, to, to alleviate homelessness. We, we uh, take food to homeless shelters, um, uh, and we're, we're, we're actively involved in all of that. It's just that I find it ironic that for all that we do, all of the business, there on our front porch is someone in need, someone who's poor, someone who's blind in his way, someone who in his way is oppressed. And I also know that we have the power to help. And we're given that power by the Spirit, by God in Christ. And so somehow, it seems to me, we have to find a way to help today. Amen.